The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. LinkedIn presents. We shower, brush our teeth, drink coffee, do our jobs, eat, watch TV, spend too much time on social media, and go to bed. Day after day after day. These utterly forgettable moments are the mundane, habitual events of our daily lives. We don't hold on to what is ordinary, typical, or expected. Sameness is the kiss of death to memory. Welcome, welcome to a new day and a new episode of the Next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kavnet. Today's question is, do you remember your first kiss? Think about it. Now, how about this? Do you remember your 10th kiss? That might be a little harder, I imagine. If you're like most of us, whole chunks of your past are just gone, sucked down the memory hole, forgotten forever. But why? Why do we effortlessly remember some things, even traumatic things we'd rather forget, while failing to remember many minor and even major episodes of our lives? Maybe this will help. Lisa Genova has written a book called Remember, The Science of Memory and the Art of Forgetting. Lisa is a Harvard-trained neuroscientist and the author of four novels, including Still Alice. She's been called the Oliver Sacks of fiction and the Michael Crichton of brain science. Here she is to shed some light on what you recall and what you don't. The number one reason for forgetting what someone said, the name of a person you just met, where you put your phone, is lack of attention. So if you don't pay attention to where you put your glasses, you can't form a memory of where you placed them. Later, when you're unable to find them, you're not actually experiencing a memory problem. This is a symptom of distraction. Want to improve your memory? Stop multitasking. Pay active attention to what you hope to remember. When you maximize attention, you maximize your ability to remember. One day, I couldn't come up with the name of the actor who played Tony Soprano in the HBO series The Sopranos. I knew his name was stored somewhere in my brain, and I could tell you all kinds of things about him, but I could not produce his name. Distracted and feeling relentlessly harassed, I eventually gave up and Googled it. James Gandolfini, yes, that's it. Blocking on a word, also called tip of the tongue, is one of the most common experiences of memory failure. You know you know this elusive word, most often a proper noun. It's in your brain, but you cannot for the life of you retrieve it on demand. Why does this happen? Blocking can occur when there is only partial or weak activation of the neurons that link up to the word you're looking for. We often come up with a loosely related word, something similar in sound or meaning. These obliquely related words are rather unfortunately called the ugly sisters of the target. And even more unfortunately, zeroing in on an ugly sister will unwittingly make the situation worse. These decoys direct you down neural pathways that lead to them and not to the word you really want. Now, whenever you try to retrieve the word in question, all you can come up with is the ugly sister. Here's an example. 
I recently asked my boyfriend, what's the name of that famous surfer, Lance? No, it's not Lance. He knew who I was talking about, but he couldn't come up with it either. We were both stumped. It turns out that my blurting out the wrong name sent my boyfriend's brain to Lance Armstrong, the ugly sister. Now he was stuck in the wrong neural neighborhood and couldn't get out. The ugly sister also explains this phenomenon. Much later, once you've stopped trying to find the word, it suddenly bubbles to the surface, seemingly out of nowhere. Laird Hamilton, yes, that's it. Why does that happen? By calling off the hunt, your brain can stop perseverating on the ugly sister, giving the correct set of neurons a chance to be activated. Tip of the tongue forgetting is normal. 25-year-olds experience several tip of the tongues a week. But young people don't sweat them, in part because memory loss, Alzheimer's, and old age are nowhere on their radars. And they don't hesitate in outsourcing the job to their smartphones. Which brings me to an important point. Many people worry that if they use Google to find their blocked words, then they're contributing to the problem and actually worsening their already weakening memory. This belief is misinformed. Looking up the name of the actor who played Tony Soprano doesn't weaken my memory's ability whatsoever. Likewise, suffering through the mental pain and insisting on coming up with the word on my own doesn't make my memory stronger or come with any trophies for doing so. Having a word stuck on the tip of your tongue is a normal glitch in memory retrieval, a byproduct of how our brains are organized. You have my permission to use Google if a word is stuck on the tip of your tongue. Prospective memory is your memory for what you need to do later. This is your brain's to-do list, a memory to be recalled at a future time and place. And it is fraught with forgetting. In fact, prospective memory is so poorly supported by our neural circuitry and so steeped in failure, it can almost be thought of as a kind of forgetting rather than a kind of memory. We forget what we intend to do a lot. For a prospective memory to be remembered, the intention or action that needs to be performed later needs first to be encoded into memory now. This step rarely presents a problem. I need to remember to book my daughter's flight home from college before I go to bed tonight. There, I've asked my brain to remember to do this task. It's in there. The second step is where I'm likely to run into all kinds of trouble. I have to remember to remember to do this task. And generally speaking, our brains are terrible at remembering to remember. Not just aging brains, all brains. The memory of that intention, book my daughter's flight home, needs to be retrieved in the future before bed. Because booking a flight for my daughter isn't a habitual pre-bedtime task like brushing my teeth, unless I create at least one specific cue that will trigger its recall, I'm likely to forget to make the reservation. Marketing companies take advantage of our prospective memory vulnerabilities all the time. How many of you have joined an online exercise program, downloaded a meditation app, or subscribed to something for a free 30-day trial, fully planning to cancel or unsubscribe if you find that you don't like or use it? And what happened? You were charged $99 for the year because you forgot. And it's not just the little things we forget to remember. 
Prospective memory is unreliable no matter the stakes. Here's my favorite example. Between 2005 and 2013 in the U.S., surgeons forgot 772 surgical instruments, scissors, scalpels, gloves, inside the bodies of their patients. Prospective memory is challenging for people of all occupations and ages. Still, we tend to unfairly judge and be judged for this kind of universally experienced absent-mindedness. If a colleague forgets to show up for a Zoom meeting, or your teenager forgets to turn off the oven after baking cookies, you might very well interpret these normal memory lapses as signs of carelessness, irresponsibility, or even a possible symptom of Alzheimer's. But the blame shouldn't point to a neurodegenerative disease or a lack of character. To err is human, especially if you're relying on your prospective memory. So don't trust that your brain will remember later what you plan now. You probably won't. Think of to-do lists, checklists, calendars, and pillboxes as glasses for your prospective memory. There's no shame in using these. Pilots use checklists to make sure the wheels of the plane are down before landing. Thankfully, they do not rely on their prospective memory. Episodic memory is your memory for what happened in your life. Some experiences stick, lasting a lifetime, whereas others slip away by the next day, totally unmemorable. How can we have such elaborately detailed, readily retrievable memories for some life events and absolutely no memory for others? Why don't we simply remember everything that happens? Let's start with what you don't remember. What you had for dinner five Thursdays ago, driving your kids to school three months ago Wednesday, the text messages you sent last Monday. Can you recognize what all of these forgotten life experiences have in common? They are routine. We shower, brush our teeth, drink coffee, do our jobs, eat, watch TV, spend too much time on social media, and go to bed. Day after day after day. These utterly forgettable moments are the mundane, habitual events of our daily lives. We don't hold on to what is ordinary, typical, or expected. Sameness is the kiss of death to memory. These experiences don't make it past the present moment, and that's okay. Would your life truly be improved if you could remember the details of every morning shower? No. So what do we remember? While our brains are terrible at remembering what is boring and familiar, they're phenomenal at remembering what is meaningful, what is emotional, and what surprises us. If you think about the dinners you do in fact remember, you'll quickly realize that they were all special in some way. Otherwise, they fade to oblivion. If you want to remember more of what happened in your life, step out of your routine. Look for ways to make your days and nights different and meaningful. Thank you, Lisa. Well, everyone, I hope adding some more variety to your life makes it more memorable. And before I forget, sign up for my newsletter. It will make it easier for you to remember the many great ideas you come across on this podcast. Every Friday, you'll get a summary of that week's episodes right in your inbox, along with links that will let you listen to the episodes you find the most useful. Just use the link in the episode notes to sign up. And now that you've learned how to remember your past, we're going to help you imagine your future. Tomorrow, we'll hear from Jane McGonigal, author of Imaginable, How to See the Future Coming and Feel Ready for Anything, Even Things That Seem Impossible Today. 
I'm Michael Kovnat. See you tomorrow.